Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach, brought to you by the TeacherCast Educational Network. If you are in charge of professional development and looking to build an innovative digital learning experience, this is the podcast for you. Join us each week as we uncover strategies that tech coaches are using to drive their digital transformations one classroom at a time. And now for your host, with over two decades of experience working with tech coaches and ed tech companies from all around the world, Jeff Bradbury. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast Educational Network. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. This is Ask the Tech Coach podcast, episode number 254. Today, we're going to be talking about a subject that I love sharing, not only in the classroom, but also at conferences. Today, we're going to be talking about Google Sites, talking about how you can create one, why you should create one. And when is a website not a website? We have a fantastic guest on today from halfway across the planet. And we're going to be talking about what you can actually do with Google Sites that's a little bit in the box, but a little bit out of the box. So stick around. we got a fantastic conversation coming up today. I want to say thank you guys to everybody who's been checking out the site ever since we relaunched a few weeks ago. The brand new TeacherCast and the brand new AskTheTechCoach.com. The site is blowing up. Thank you so much. I'm working really hard to make sure all the content is coming up. By the time you guys are hearing this show, I will be getting ready to put my studio back together. Uh, We spent the last two weeks destroying my house. Uh, Thanks to a little bit of water damage in there, it gave me the opportunity to build a brand new TeacherCast broadcasting studio. So sit down. Get ready. Lots of video, lots of live streams, lots of webinars, lots of everything coming up from TeacherCast. Don't forget to hit that like and subscribe. And if you have other friends that are instructional coaches, share this with them and let them know that the TeacherCast Instructional Coaches Network is out there. You can, of course, go over to askthetechcoach.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter. We would love to have you guys continue to be a part of our TeacherCast family. My guest today and I kind of met in a weird way. I started to put together a website for my new technology teaching position. And I wanted to figure out how to best use Google Sites. Now, you guys know I've done courses on Google Sites. I've done ISTE presentations on Google Sites. But I wanted to see what non-education was looking for. So I started to find Facebook groups of Google Sites. I started to find different uh, uses of Google Sites out in the wild. And I came across a website called Kirksville Web Design. Now, this guy is doing amazing things using Google Sites. He is transforming the platform into things that I never thought was possible. And he's here today to talk all about how you can leverage Google Sites in your classroom. I want to bring on today Mr. Kyle Horst. Kyle, how are you today? Welcome to Ask the Tech Coach. Hey, doing good. Congratulations on your new site, by the way. I look, look great. Really Thank snazzy. you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, I, I, I've been having fun with it. Uh, we moved it to a brand new platform a few weeks ago. I mean, we're still on WordPress, but I changed hosts. It is super fast. It is screaming fast. And, you know, the content that we're putting out is... It, it, we're just going to be doing a lot of great things on that. So, first of all, thank you so much. And And, you know, I mentioned in the intro, you're from halfway across the planet from where I am right now. Tell everybody where you are and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. 
Yeah, sure thing. So I am a St. Louis, Missouri native, and uh, you may you know notice this uh, you know, from work with Kirksville Web Design, and that's my my business. Uh, Kirksville is actually a small town in Missouri where uh, went to college. Uh, Truman State University is over there, and so started this small little you know Google Sites building venture uh, there, and it just has grown uh, since then. So. Yeah, I'm a Google Sites designer, developer, and that sees me in all certain different spheres, whether it's like in the educational sector, private sector, uh, building intranets for companies. Uh, it's just all over the place. And so I'm really glad to be part of the this Google product community and all the ways that, you know, kind of filter into Facebook or, you know, how teachers are using it. I'm really impressed by all the way that uh, you know, Google Workspace for education and all those users, users are taking advantage of it. Really uh, wonderful. Now, we mentioned halfway across the world and people might be scratching oh, right. their heads going, wait a minute. Jeff, you're in Connecticut. St. Louis is not halfway across. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> nine o'clock in the morning and it's almost 10 o'clock, I think, for you. Um, where are you right now? Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm from St. Louis, but I've, I'm now in Taipei, Taiwan. So that is where I'm talking to you from right now in my little, my little cozy city apartment. <laughs> and how did you get from St. Louis to Taiwan? Uh, I mean, that in itself is an interesting story. So it's related to my Bible work, my uh, Bible ministry and my volunteer work. And so... That actually is what transplanted me from Missouri, where I started uh, teaching and preaching to the Chinese community there, and then went to tai Taiwan to improve my language skills. Uh, so my wife and I continue that volunteer work here. So it really had nothing to do like business-wise. It was, uh, you know, I just took my laptop from Missouri to Taipei and continue to do the same work that I do. I love it. I, I love the opportunity to go out and, and to share the messages and, and, you know, but you still have those connections. I, I have to ask here because, you know, I've been in the website business since forever at this point. You know, I started doing, I'll, I'll say in quotes, professional websites when I was 15, right? Mm -hmm. um, I found you online doing professional Google sites and... I just smiled and I said, how is somebody creating a business out of Google sites? Like they're easy, they're this, they're that. But you've had the opportunity to really dive into this and create uh, pieces of art. I mean, they really are. You've got a lot of great things going. How and why Google sites? I mean, I've always been really interested in what Google was doing as a company. Uh, and so I was always infatuated with whether apps, you know, whether it was like Google Plus when that came out or, uh, you know, I mean, of course, teachers have this whole, you know, different app dashboard of like Google Classroom and stuff and, and they use Google Sites. So I was always interested in, uh, in these applications. Uh, Google, of course, is no, Google Sites is no code. Uh, it's free, so there was no like threshold, you know, to to stop me. No obstacles. So you can just start building sites right away, like anyone can. And so that's why I started doing, you know, some like 13, 14 years ago. Uh, when I started building Google sites, and 
no one has really carved out this this niche no uh, to, <laughs> it's like no. you google around you try to find you know, google sites designers google sites developers it's like you know one or two guys who are doing it um it has grown actually recently interest in it and just because i mean things like no code site builders in general have become more popular whether it's you know wix or squarespace or framer uh webflow there's all sorts of different solutions mm-hmm. so it's not like google sites is out of the question it's in that same ballpark uh it's just perhaps more simplified you know as a a platform for building um so you do have to work within the limitations a little bit and get creative um but that's why i try to do push the boundaries as much as possible what can be done and then you know sometimes i hit a brick wall but that's just how it goes it's it's still 100 responsive it's still 100 you know uptime and reliable so it has a lot of benefits, and like I said, free. I mean, you can't beat free hosting forever, which is what Google Sites is. It, it is, right? It's free. You can always add a domain to it. We're going to get into some of the more technical stuff later on here. And I'm glad you had mentioned the words brick wall, right? Because <laughs> I, I do a lot of training on Google Sites. I also do a lot of training on Microsoft products. And being somebody who's been going to different school districts over the last many years, helping them build their own intranets. You know, you've got Google Sites, and then on the other side, you've got SharePoint. And people often ask, are they the same thing minus just the logo? And no, no, they're not. Uh, They shouldn't be ever confused. But at the same time, the one thing that they do have in common is You can create a website, in quotes, that is just for your domain. So it is easy to create an intranet system. And in fact, in my previous position, I built our entire school district's intranet using the combination of sites and Google Classroom. And I I definitely want to hit you on a topic on that one later on. But should school districts, should businesses be thinking about Google Sites as a viable intranet option and why do you think that hmm. yeah i mean it, it kind of depends on where you're invested whether it is you know a microsoft shop or you know a, a google shop you know are you running google workspace for business google workspace for education within your you know whether it's a school district or whether it's an organization or a company uh so i mean i'm not going to tell you to like you know switch over you know completely if you're if everybody's running the email on outlook you know you don't have to like jump over to google sites you know sharepoint is the internet solution for microsoft google sites is the internet solution for google workspace um, do, do you wish that google sites was more sharepoint or do you think that that's an advantage that google has because it is a basic thing whereas sharepoint i've always trained it as SharePoint is a massive hard drive database system that happens to have a website that happens to have, you know, everything is kind of built around that SharePoint is a SharePoint is the nucleus that everything kind of goes around where Google sites is one of many applications Google happens to create. Right, right. I mean, I would say from my point of view, SharePoint seems more specialized as an intranet and more proficient uh, for enterprise. Um, I think there's a lot more tools and integrations maybe available and sort of the CRM 
uh, or the CMS that's, that's uh, based with uh, SharePoint, whereas Google Sites uh, is more of um, a general site builder. It can be used both for, for intranets and just for public websites and business, small business websites. So, you know, it's, it's that kind of more specified use versus a more generalized use that you see with Sites versus SharePoint. I'm curious on your philosophy when building internal websites, um, mm -hmm. specifically around the file structure. Again, you know, maybe we can compare it to SharePoint a little bit, where everything is in a team or everything is in a SharePoint website. I find often when I'm working with school districts, I have to undo a lot of what they've created because a lot of stuff is in my drive. And so then you have an intranet based off of everybody's files that they individually own. Mm -hmm. That never seems to come out right on the other end when somebody decides to leave. Now you've got this organizational structure that's built off of I own the file. What advice do you have or what 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 theories and philosophies do you have if you were going to sit down and build an intranet for somebody? Where do you suggest keeping the files? Do you have a naming structure that you suggest? Where do you start when you're putting something like this together for a school district or a company? I would start with a Google Drive shared drive. So what that does is it takes the question of who is the owner of a document out of the picture. You know, essentially in a shared drive, everyone is is the owner. There's no specific individual. It becomes a, like a company drive at that point. So I, at any time of starting an intranet build out, you know, I say make a shared drive, and this is where we're going to put uh, all our intranet documents, and this is our document management system for this site. Uh, you know. Google Sites is actually with, integrated within Google Drive. So Google Sites is there. You can actually add your site right into the shared drive. Uh, and then along with every folder and all the documentation uh, can live there. So that, that's the recommended way. Of course, it can be a little bit more hairy when you have, yeah, people have their docs and their my drive and they're the owners and maybe they're not gonna move it, <laughs> move it there voluntarily. Um, so it can get a little messy, but I mean, Overall, ideally, you'd like that all to be a shared drive. And then from inside of there, it's a matter of having permissions, right? These files can be seen inside only. These files might be able to see outside only. How do you set up Google Admin so that way everything is where it needs to be? And you don't accidentally have those. I mean, let's be honest. We've all had the embarrassment of it looks great to you, but then somebody can't see the Google Doc that you've put on it because you don't think about those permissions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, at a baseline, I, I want that shared drive to be domain only. So, you know, so it's not, I mean, it's for an internal site. It's not supposed to be, unless you're building like a, a, a vendor portal or an extranet, you know, where people outside, you know, consultants maybe are viewing documents, that I can understand. But if you're building an intranet, you're going to want that to be secured to domain only at the shared drive level. And then at the folder level, you know, you have this, micromanagement of permissions and accessibility so you can determine okay this is going to be you know for management or administrators this is going to be for it this is for hr and you can delineate that as, as much as you need to but i think because google sharing and permissions is really intuitive and you can also use contact groups leverage those along with it so if people are coming in and out of a contact group uh you know it'll modify the permissions there accordingly.
I, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's exactly how we set things up in my previous district is everything was, you know, district all or district building all and just making sure that at that those file groups, you're not doing a folder with 150 individual teachers. You're doing it at the group <laughs> yeah. level, right? Let's bring that down a little bit. There are a lot of instructional coaches listening to this who have created Google Sites. And I've often found myself saying it is really easy to make a Google site look horrendously horrible. <laughs> so you, you know what I'm talking about. Good. Um, yeah, totally. <laughs> there's, there's pitfalls, right? I mean, it's easy to create a site where every row has a different background, right? And we all know that Google Sites has a number of stock backgrounds. But you've come up with some ways to really make your sites look nice. I mean, even when I'm looking at your homepage, KirksvilleWebDesign.com, you have it listed in rows. Some of the rows are white. Some of the rows are like a little off gray. But you definitely see a delineation. You've got some great pictures in here. What is your philosophy when building out? I'll call it, let's just start with the words landing pages. But when you're building out those main pages of a website, what do you think? And as you go down, Many coaches are building for themselves. I kind of try to steer them for you're not building for yourself, you're building for others. So make it look easy, make the navigation easy. But when you have a blank canvas, where do you start? Oh boy. <laughs> um, I mean, you can get a lot of inspiration, I think, around the web just as a, like a starting point. Find out what style of site that you want to build. Um, so, First, I like to get inspired by something. Um, maybe it's in the same industry I'm in, or maybe it's just general, you know, graphic designers uh, or web designers and their, you know, uh, their creativity, whether you know, it's through like something like Dribble or, you know, there's lots of, you know, designer hubs that you can explore. Uh, so I think that's one avenue to check out. And then, I mean, it comes down to basic user interface standards for, for web design. Like, like take for instance, you can make a text block in Google Sites and that text block can be the whole width you know, of, the, of the grid, can be the whole width of that text block. However, have you thought about when people read that, you know, they have to read across the entire line and actually their eyes get strained, you know, trying to go that far and then having come back to the next line and come over here and start a new line of text. So actually you want to bring that text into be a, a you know a, sh a shorter dimension width wise just to help with like legibility and readability. So actually like a lot of this is has to do with you know spacing and and just like general best use or best uh, what am I trying to say? <laughs> web design standards uh, to consider. So, I mean, not everyone has an eye for it, and you know, I understand that. But uh, try to be consistent. You know, it's one one thing uh, as far as like colors and fonts are concerned. Simplicity and consistency can speak a lot for making a any site or a professional site. I remember when sites first came out. It was ten years ago when I first took on one of my, my first instructional coaching position, I was rah, rah, rah. And my superintendent decided to go all in. And so, yes, we were building out a website for ourselves, but somehow the district got the idea that every department 
needed their own individual Google site. Hmm. And so I then was building out a template to then copy that template for the math department, for the HR department, for the uni- every single one had their own. And then it became difficult because each of those staff members wanted to make their departments unique. You see where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, our district online presence had 4,000 different styles of websites that all had to interlock with each other. And that's difficult because the navigation is the key. If somebody can't, it's the tree in the woods, right? If you can't find the website, it doesn't exist. And with a Google site, you do have a search button, but the search button only searches within that particular site. So we ended up, you know, and, and I couldn't stop the train once the decision was made. But you had all of these different sites that just didn't talk to each other. One of the questions that has come out is how big can a Google site be? Have you had an opportunity to to think about that one? Or have you had an opportunity to kind of play with, you know, massive Google sites? In other words, could I really make a school district site on a Google page that has a hundred sites? I mean, how big have you seen these things go? And is it a matter of ages or file size? Well, I mean, Google Sites won't take up any of your storage or a file space within Drive. So there's no limit from that point of view. And you, you know, your file won't have a you know set amount of megabytes or gigabytes that it's that's using. Uh, so that's not a concern. Uh, I I cannot remember if there's an actual page limit on new Google Sites. Uh, I can say back in the day when I, I built actually a behemoth uh, intranet for Teach for America, and that was like 500 pages. Wow. Uh, and that was the biggest project I think I've ever took on or built. And so I'm not sure if that ever converted, you know, to because classic Google Sites was like, you know, Google Sites right. 1.0, and now right, it's like right. Google Sites 2.0. I'm not sure if it, it converted or not or what happened with that. But I mean, personally, I haven't hit a limit with one individual Google site and the number of, of pages or, you know, characters or something like that. So that was 500 pages on Google sites 1.0. Yeah. And, yeah. and, you know, they do have, or, you know, classic sites right now is dead, but they did have that point in time where there was the conversion process happening and it wasn't pretty. <laughs> Like, yeah. here's kind of what this looks like but all of your all of your contraptions and all of your widgets and stuff like that yeah they're not working anymore and I, I, that upset a lot of people mm-hmm. one of the other things that i was facing when this thing first came out 10 plus years ago was there was no themes there was five but people wanted the customizer and i i, I even today i don't think a lot of teachers and coaches know that you can now create your own theme you can now customize your theme. You can even open up a second Google site and you can grab the theme from the first one, mm-hmm. which is wonderful. Unfortunately, I think that opens up even more that, okay, now it really is easier to create something that looks horrible because now you've got unlimited fonts, you've got unlimited colors, and you've got unlimited everything. And now you've got you know three different panels full of six different colors each. I mean, even just putting the stuff together for my school for this year, it's a nightmare trying to trying to match up fonts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Where are you with all of the theme stuff? Do you try to keep things stock? Do you have a, 
you know, in your bag of tricks, do you have a theme that you like to just take and build from if somebody wants you to work with them? Any thoughts and, and tricks of creating your own school or building theme? I mean, I if you are keen on graphic design at all <laughs> or web design in general, I mean, you want to work within the school's uh, design guidelines or branding guidelines of some sort. That's that's where I look to first, you know, as far as logos, co colors are concerned, uh, fonts, type, typography is concerned. You know, I want to use all that information because that's already kind of set in, in stone. You know, it's already an approved brand that you want to build the site into. So if you can make your theme, your custom Google Sites theme, match as close as possible to those guidelines, I mean that would be that would be great, and that kind of brings it into the same family, you know, of right. of websites because you have a public website, obviously, you know, for any school. So can you kind of work within those those guidelines and those boundaries to create a a Google site? And usually you can. I mean, there's I think Google Fonts. You know, you have hundreds of fonts to choose from, and maybe if you can't get that exact sans serif font you know that was noted in the great guidelines you can find something that's like almost identical <laughs> so you know i'm looking through your site here and you've got different designs for a number of enterprises here right you've got ed you've got education you got business templates um the one that totally caught my eye when i was looking at this a few weeks ago was you've got one that's kind of notion themed and how it's all done with the bullet points and stuff like that and the little icons on top. And so what what have you seen? I mean, I know a lot of teachers and, and coaches are using sites outside of the box. Mm -hmm. As an example, we're going to be using Google Sites in a few weeks in my class to create posters for um, our upcoming musical and our upcoming band concerts where I'm just saying, here's a website, pretend you're making the poster, use a Google form as like an email sign up, use a Google slide to put video up on top, you know, think outside the box. How have you seen Google sites being used maybe for something other than a, a traditional looking website? Well, there are lots of, of templates actually nowadays that you can grab for free um, and utilize. So that's actually one of the largest queries related to Google sites is Google sites templates. Yeah. And so you get like we get 6,000 plus queries a month, you know, on, on that. It's probably more, but hmm. it's roughly that. So, you, I mean, I, I'm designing templates. You got lots of people designing free templates. All you need to do is, is to copy one of those. You copy it once, and then you can use that either as a copy or you can import that theme uh, into your existing Google site if you don't want to have to you know, migrate the content or rebuild it or something. So I, I think there's a lot of freedom freedom there just from all the, the work that's being done by uh, Google Sites designers. And, and you've got a lot of stuff on your site here. I mean, I, I see a lot of professionals using these sites where it's, you know, it's a simple one page site, but it's got your picture up on top and then it's got all your social links. Mm -hmm. And there's companies that are out there charging, you know, 10 bucks a month just for these kinds of simple services. And, and I, I know why not just make that in google sites you don't have to have a header you don't have to have a footer you can just make a simple site put a domain name on it or just link directly to it 
And I mean, you've got a template here, free link in bio website. It's simple, it's easy, and it looks professional as anything else. And did I mention it's free, right? I don't think <laughs> we're taking advantage of the fact that you can do everything with this. For the longest time, uh, up until this version of TeacherCast, all of my presentations were built off of sites. I had one site with, I think right now, it's up to like 60 or 70 presentations inside of it, but they're all hidden pages. So in other words, there's no navigation up on top. And for each of those signups, I actually put my ConvertKit signup sheet on a Google page. So all of my landing pages have been done through Google Sites, but again, you wouldn't know it because of the way that it was designed. Oh, that's cool. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about are some of the myths, maybe, that I've heard over the, year, the years. And I, I, know I come from the education part of this. There's a few myths that says, don't use Google Sites professionally they're not SEO friendly. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? Well, I mean, I can't uh, uh, mince my words, <laughs> or I can't, I'm not going to lie. I mean, Google Sites does not have all the SEO tools that other, you know, uh, web builder platforms will have. So, uh, like WordPress, you know, or like maybe Squarespace or some of these other platforms, it won't have all the tools available to you for SEO. So in that sense, it lacks in that area. And I think that's just because, I mean, it's never been like a primary objective of Google Sites to be like, I don't know, marketed or, or you know, uh, building, like I said, Google Sites has been generalized. It's, it's internet friendly, it's website friendly, it's teacher friendly. So SEO has never been like, you know, a primary concern or a, an important concern for the Google Sites development team. And so it hasn't gotten a lot of attention. And so, yeah, if you're super concerned with being like, I don't know, uh, rank number one on a local business page for some reason, yeah, yeah, maybe Google Sites isn't the right, right choice for you. It's not to say it can't rank well, it can. And, you know, obviously my, my website rank, ranks well for, for a I, number of queries. <laughs> if you type in Google Sites templates, you're right up on top. I mean, that's how we found each other here. So there yeah. is a little bit of SEO, but it's not WordPress, right? Right. I mean, if you're creating relevant, unique, interesting, linkable content, I mean, it's going to grow organically anyway, whether it's a Google site or a WordPress site. So keep that in mind. The other one here, and, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, there's no blog post. There's no way to have dynamic content. And I've come up with some ways to do this in the classroom side, but I'm curious on the professional side, if you are a company and you're looking to have a Google site built for you or for your event or for whatever, how do you support the idea of having dynamic written bloggy type content? What do you do? Where do you go for that? Yeah. Or do we just use more pages? Like, how, how, what do you do? I mean, it's a, it's a pain point for me, too. Uh, essentially, I'm just creating, you know, basic pages, and I'm adding them manually. It's not as easy as just say, you know, click new blog post, write article, publish blog post. You know, that's, right. it's there, it's, and it's automatically managed, you know, and archived and, and all that sort of stuff. So there's not a lot of support for blogging. And, yeah, I do find it uh, frustrating. It, is it doable in a manual sense? Yeah, kind of. Um, but, you know, it's not the strength of Google Sites uh, right now, at least. 
I've come up with a number of solutions. We have there's an application out there called Padlet, which is essentially like a, a wall with like it's like a sticky wall kind of a thing. But you can transfer, you can transform this this cork board, if you will, into a blog roll. Okay, so it's a second it's a second application, but then you can embed that blog roll, if you will, into a Google site. Suddenly, you've got dynamic conversation, like a Google Classroom stream or something like that, right? Um, I've also seen teachers connect their Google sites in with Blogger. Mm-hmm. But the problem with that then is Blogger is not really part of the Google Apps education. There's no controls for it. There's no acceptable use policy for it. So if a teacher wants to go in that direction, they're kind of using a non-approved application within the Google e- ecosystem or maybe with out of the Google ecosystem. Um, is education using uh, Google Spaces? And within Google Chat? You know, some yes, some no. In my previous district, I tried to bring spaces in um, as a way for professional learning. So here's the music department space and here's the administrator space. So, you know, people don't want to do chat because chat's more of a one-to-one thing. Spaces is more of a group text, but that's a culture shift, you know? And I find if the leader is willing to move in that direction, then sure. If not, it's like Twitter groups. They exist and there's 50 people in them, but are they really something if there's no chatting going on? So I I think yes, and I think that there's certain districts that are making it work. But I could also say the same thing about teams, right? Um, Working with a school district now, um, I'll say in the southern part of the United States where they want me to help them bring in an intranet, but they don't want to go into teams. Well, Teams is the intranet. Teams is the SharePoint. You know, it's just because you don't want to chat doesn't mean that you need to not have all those opportunities that Teams brings you. Teams is kind of, the, again, that that it's the box that holds everything. So I think people are scared of chat. People would, you know, they're, I mean, let's face it. We still live in a society where email is what rules us all. And we're not, I don't think we're thinking productive yet. So going, you know, the only way to be productive in this world is to get your, get your nose out of your inbox. So email is good for long-term things. Chat is good for quick things. I don't like emailing you saying, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Now that's in the middle of a thread or something, right? So it's a long way to answer the question. But I, I think spaces are there if depending on how ingrained it is. I mean, you know, if a school district is going to say, look, all second grade teachers are in this space and we're going to use that space to talk about second grade curriculum, I think yeah. it can fly. That's but, interesting. Yeah, because I mean, you got. You know, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say you got um, these sort of dynamic group chat sort of applications like Microsoft has, has Microsoft Teams or, you know, people have historically looked at Slack as one of the mm-hmm. you know, great solutions. Uh, and now Google is trying to kind of also fill that that gap and that vacuum within Google Workspace at creating uh, Google Spaces. Uh, yeah, I think it's a cultural shift, like you're saying, whether they're going to adopt that. It's hard to roll it out. Um, being a long-term instructional coach, you're kind of rolling out these concepts, these culture-shifting concepts from the bottom up. Uh, when I did have the hot seat and I was in the director position, I tried to bring that stuff in, but... For many, there's so many tools, it's easy to say, well, that's just one more thing I don't have time. 
and and from the Google trainer point of view, it's easy for me to say, but this is the function of this. And this is the function for this. I'll, I'll give you another example. I, I you know was working with a group of uh, instructional coaches for a while and we had a chat, but we kept putting long-term things in the chat in Microsoft Teams. Whereas I was trying to bring in the culture shift of, you know, if you're going to put a website link, you put that in the channel and then we can have a conversation in the channel about that specific thing. But if you keep it in the chat, it, it, you know, it's your, it's, you'll never find it again. Or somebody in a meeting says, oh, I, I stuck it in the chat six weeks ago. Well, who's ever going to find that? But if you put it in a channel, now you can have a conversation around a theme. Those are hard things to bring into people because then they just say, I'm confused. I give up, forget about it. And then it just goes back down to send me an email. And you're going, no, we're going to slow down then. So it, it's yeah. difficult. Yeah, I mean, I, kinda, I find it difficult to say there's no all-in-one solution. Uh, whether I mean, I'm looking at specifically at Google Workspace, but there's nothing that brings it all into like one space where it's like, you know, I, I kind of silo it out. I say got Google Sites is for static content. I say, yep. uh, if you want dynamic content, you're looking at spaces and chat. If you're wanting email, of course, there's email, you know. So it's like I look at the strengths of each of these applications or, you know, uh, document management. Okay, that's Google Drive. You know, there's some obvious ones that you see there, but there's no, like, huge all-in-one consolidated master solution that I wish maybe existed. It'd be interesting. Well, I, I've got this theory here, and I and I want to hit you with this one. You know, they call it Office 365, or now they call it Microsoft 365. Mm -hmm. And the concept in my world behind that is, is everything connects to one theme, right? It's all connected. All Every single day, every single minute, it's all connected. It's all SharePoint, but PowerPoint is in SharePoint, but Sites is in SharePoint, but Copilot is all in, it's all built around the nucleus of SharePoint. However, on the other side, it's called Google Applications or Google Apps, right? Many, many applications that just happen to kind of have the same looking logo. And, you know, think about the way that Google Apps works. If you are in Docs, Sheets, Slides, and you wanted to insert an image, you go to the insert image button and what does it do? It opens up a dialogue to find something in Drive, right? But if you're in Google Keep and you wanted to open up an image, it opens up a dialogue box to search your physical hard drive. At least the last time I checked it was. Those things don't make sense. So I've always looked at Google saying, you've got a great philosophy here, but there's no nucleus that holds it together. You've got th four different applications, but they all do different things, right? And so even, even now, you look at the you know docs on the right side, it's got calendar and keep and all those other things, but then you look at a different application and those aren't there. So you're trying to teach students how to find this. You're trying to teach teachers how to find these things, and it's not always there. Here's my philosophy, and I, and I want to get your opinion on this, and I've been saying this one for years. Google made a mistake in rolling out Google Sites. And because of it, it has been a, 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 an uphill battle for people like us. And when I say they made a mistake, 
they came out with Google Classroom in 2008, 2009, somewhere in, somewhere in 2010, somewhere in there. And we knew as teachers that Google Classroom was a place to build a course and it had a stream, which means you could have a rolling conversation and you could put all your materials on there and your assignments and all everything that you need was on there. A year later, they, they came out with a baseline version of Google Sites and it stripped out everything. And teachers, and I don't know about the corporate world, but teachers said, I don't want that. I'm now in classroom. I've been saying forever now, Google Sites and Google Classroom should really be looked at as one application where classroom is where you're teaching things, but sites is where you're keeping things. So the way that I design all my classes is it's a put and a push, right? I put my stuff in a website. I push it out through classroom. So if I'm in a Google classroom this year and I'm teaching and I archive my class, all that stuff is gone. But if it's on my website, all I have to do is next year, just open up a brand new classroom and all that stuff is still there. It saves me time. So I put my stuff here, but I teach over here. And really all of my classroom archives are just links back to the website that I'm building. Do you, does that make sense? Am I making sense when I say that? I, I really do believe, and I, and I when again, when I, when I build my intranets for my previous position, sites and classroom, all of the stuff for HR is in a site or on a site, but the superintendent's gonna message everybody through classroom, through the stream, through an assignment, through, you know, do this, and now you can keep track. And that was a really hard thing to push through where you've got these two different names, but they really need to be looked at at the same time, the same way. So I look at that as both as being one application. Am I crazy? What do you think? I think Google Sites could essentially borrow and learn a lot from Google Classroom. I think it could also borrow and learn from Google Chat and Spaces. I think we could integrate a lot of things into sites to make it better. Uh, however, sometimes you know Google Sites is on the back foot in terms of, I guess, getting those developer hours <laughs> from, from Google to make those updates. Um, but I think one of the problems is my perspective because, I, I mean, I've never been a teacher, I've never been an educator. I've only been serving as like maybe an outside consultant, you know, to uh, schools or been a, a site developer for schools. So, you know, my, the majority of my clients don't even know Google Classroom exists or that it's able it. to be implemented at a business or corporate or you know private level. So they didn't even consider it, you know, as an application. And the sad thing is also Google Sites. I mean, marketing is not great and many people don't know it exists. And so they don't build a Google Site or they don't know, you know, <laughs> this isn't even a, a Google Drive app. So it's kind of a little bit of a sad state and things, but I mean, that's what people like me are trying to improve and and trying to I mean not only with like client you know client discussions but also you know I participate on the product forums I'm there supporting and helping people through that to find solutions um, so I mean there's a there's a community like you found on, on Facebook for example mm -hmm. 
And so, you know, we, we're just trying to make the best use uh, of the product that we can. Well, you had mentioned developer hours. Let's kind of wrap up here with things you wish Google Sites could do. I'm sure you have a list. <laughs> have you seen my list? I've, I've published it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> that might be where I'm going with this. Okay, let me see if I can pull it up. Cause... Right. Um, I, I, again, th- this is the same thing as I, I wish when somebody opens up Google Keep it, it didn't look at their hard drive, like small things like that. But I mean, you know, when we could start with, I wish it had a blog roll. I wish it just, it worked. I wish it all embedded. I wish this and that, but what's, give me your top, give, okay, let's, let's do the wrestling terms. Give me your Mount Rushmore. What are the four things that you really would love to see if Google was listening to you right now, mm. which of course I'm sure that Mr. Google is listening to this podcast. What are, what are the top few things that you really wish Google sites would have? Yeah, I mean, that's how I've prioritized. I've made the list and I have the top five already lined out for you. So lay it on um, me. I have 15, which is the the total, but I'll give you what the top five are. So the first one is page level permissions, which used to be a part of classic sites. I've did not make it into new sites and has frustrated many, many a user and site uh, content owner. So page level permissions, the pain point there. Actually, number two was what what we discussed there, blogging support features and post publishing and that sort of uh, content management system. Three was Google Spaces and chat integration. Can we bring that into sites, please? That would be (laughs) beautiful. Uh, Four was text boxes and insert tables. So it's more like... Yep. Uh, design capabilities with the text boxes because you know um how many times can i these are not difficult things right yeah and even on this on this blog post i made about it i have as an example you know exactly what squarespace is doing and you know how they have figured that solution out like can we come up with you know this thing for google sites and roll it out please that'd be nice Uh, and then uh, yeah, number five on my on my top five here was uh, template marketplace, so that you know more yep. people are exposed to the templates that are being designed and marketed, and and you know those designers are doing a great job. Whether I mean it's in education, you got people making templates, you know, teacher teacher sites and student sites and portfolios, all sorts of stuff in the education sector. I mean, I wish those got uh, more exposure. Keep, keep going. Give me your top 10. <laughs> just, just everything that you're saying, I'm just nodding my head here. And I've, I've got I've got one that you might not have on the list. So I want to I, go, okay. go, let's go down your list to see if 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 my one thing, because I'm about to start a major project this week and okay. I'm hoping that you can talk me out of it. So so that was the top five. Give me the yep. top 10 here. All right. Six. We got Google Sites API access. Um, I'm not like a great developer, <laughs> but I know people that are, and they would do fantastic things if they just had the tools to do so. So API access was one thing. Next, uh, code injection of HTML and CSS JavaScript into the, the header of the site. So into the site globally, uh, if you could insert code anywhere. Right now, you only can work within set yeah. dimensional widgets, you know? Uh, so that's one thing. And next is 
supported image formats. If you're using uh, SVG, which is you know a vector format, you know you're out of luck. Uh, next is gadgets, widgets, plugins, directory, marketplace. This is actually a Google Classic thing as well. You had a bunch. There's like a directory of all sorts of gadgets and widgets that people had, had made and published. You know, whether it was like weather or just like a, a stopwatch timer, you know, just various things. Uh, so now that doesn't exist anymore. Um, what am I on now? <laughs> what number am I at? You're, you're doing great, though. Everything you're Eight, saying, seven, I'm going, eight, eight, okay, nine, that worked. 10 was more navigational features, controls, hover effects. So right now you just have top nav, side nav. That's it. And, you know, some little and, and customization. Right. You, you have a, you have a nice looking side nav, but then the logo is so small and ugly looking. Can we can we please make that square bigger or something, right? Yeah, just more, more. You know, we want to tweak it a bit, like you're saying. <laughs> right. It's. I just have to. I, every time I start a project, I, I take a deep breath and I just say to myself, "It's not WordPress. <laughs> it's not WordPress." Uh, I'll give you one here. Um, Look, uh, you know, the reason why we're, we're talking today is because I love doing Google Sites projects with my kids. And I'm about to unleash student portfolios using Google Sites. And I've had conversations with many educators. I've had many conversations even in our Facebook group there of how do you do this? And if we go back to Google Classroom, right, I create a doc and then I assign that doc to you, and then it does the make a copy. Everybody makes a copy. And if you do that process, the teacher has access to the doc 100% of the time and controls it. But that feature does not exist for sites. And so I, I need to find a way to do this, but right now I've created a template that I want to give out to my kids. And it's got a page for every project that we're doing. And essentially the way my class works is we're gonna do an assignment and then they're gonna put it on the website. Do an assignment, put it on the website, right? You, you get the concept here. Yep. And, and many people have said, have the students make the website and share it with you. And I'm going, no, then they're all gonna look different. Or I now have to have a checkbox of who actually did it. So I don't get to the end of the year and realize that Timmy hasn't done something yet for the last six weeks, right? So I have to create a situation where I can control this and I can see it. And that way they can't kick me out because if I create it and I share it with everybody, then I've just not, I, 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 I haven't used any classroom time. But if I say we're gonna open up a Google site and here's an example, make yours look like this, I've just taken three weeks of my life away. So the only way that I know how to do this, and I had to do this five years ago when I taught a, a course like this, was I make the template, I go into Drive, I hit Copy, now you have two, I highlight them and Copy, now I have four, I highlight them and Copy, now, and then I start again. I put Jeff's website and Kyle's website and Mary's website, and I do that times 100 individually, and then I go in and I share it with Kyle and Jeff and Mary, and you can see how much time this takes. But at the end, the only thing I have to fear is that they're going to get an email. And I told them all this the other day. 
you're going to get an email probably at two in the morning that says, Mr. Bradbury is sharing a website with you. Do not touch this thing because I can't control the theme. I can't control a box. So essentially when I make these templates for people, it's just the, the stock box options. So that way, you know, God forbid a kid comes up and says, I accidentally deleted it. It's literally a one click and you know, the, the template area is still in there. Yeah. Is there, am I missing something, right? Like there's no other way to mass produce in a way that's safe. Because again, I don't want to have a hundred and some kids. They're like, I'm not trying to create web designers. I'm trying to give them yeah. a portfolio tool. Yeah. There's no other way to do this. And and so your answer might be, then don't use sites. <laughs> find find a different platform, right? Um, but those platforms, of course, cost money. Hmm. How would you do this? Am I on the right track for this? Like, how would you create a scenario where if you wanted to give this template or this site out to a hundred kids. Yeah. Yeah. I can't so this exact scenario cropped up on, on the product forums. Maybe it was you that posted it. I don't even know. Probably. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And the solution was what you're currently doing is the solution, the best solution we could make because when you make the sites or make the copies of the sites, you by default are the owner of that site and they can't, the student can't go in and remove you as the owner. So you have that security knowing, you know, I always have access to this site, to the student site. Yeah. Yeah. So otherwise you're putting too much control and freedom in and sort of, uh, you know, uh, you know, some question as to whether the student's going to follow up on, you know, sharing it to you or putting it in the folder or whatever. So it's, it's hard enough to get the kids to do the assignments I'm giving them through classroom, but at least I can look and say, Hey mom, Hey administrator, the kid didn't do it, but to have the situation where maybe the kid was working, but they didn't share it with you or they didn't share it with you the right way or, 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 you know, it's going to take me a lot of time to do this. I don't want to do it, but at the same time, I want them to have something where they're, you know, like we're going to do a project where we're making a logo. Great. The logo goes on the website. They're going to make a banner. The banner goes on the website. Like, you know, we're, we're building out this little monster throughout the semester here. And I love doing this. I just hate this pro that's part of the process. You know, like the hundred copies process. No, <laughs> I understand. So, I'm sorry. I can't help you anymore. <laughs> I, I know for the last 12 years, we've been crying for page level permissions, but the teacher in me is saying, I'll take Google classroom integration any day. Please let us know. So Kyle, when you talk to your, your Google friends, please push that one up there. Um, Kyle, I, I, look, 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 clearly we're, we're nerding out about all this stuff. But if you're out there still listening to this show, we would love to hear from you guys. Please feel free to reach out. Kyle, where can we hear more about the great things that you're doing over at Kirksville Web Design? Oh, my website is kirksvillewebdesign.com. So I would follow that. I mean, from there, you can find anything else social media wise. Nice. And of course, you can find us over at teachercast.net. All of our instructional coaching stuff is over at askthetechcoach.com. We are going to be creating a ton of content. We're going to be doing some Google Sites tutorials and making sure that you guys have all that you need for your coaching program. And that wraps up episode number 254 of Ask the Tech Coach. On behalf of Kyle and everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Fredberry, reminding you guys to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students.
You've been listening to Ask the Tech Coach, hosted by Jeff Bradbury of the TeacherCast Educational Network. Please reach out to the show with all of your questions on Twitter at Ask the Tech Coach or online at www.askthetechcoach.com. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes. And please take a moment to write a review in the App Store.